Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Church London. You're listening to a message given on a Sunday morning. If you'd like to know more about us and the life of the church, please visit trinitychurchlondon.com. Today I am drawing some principles from what is known as uh, Discovery Bible Study. Out of all, out of out of many tools that are available there, uh, Discovery Bible Study (DBS) is just one of those tools which I've just found very uh, helpful, very insightful, and really, really simple to apply while we read the Word. So, DBS basically what it does is it encourages us to read the text and ask these four questions to the test. Uh, the first one is, what do we learn about God? What does the passage say about God? What does the passage teach us? about Jesus, who God is, who Jesus is. That's the first question. The second question is we ask, what do we learn about ourselves? What do we learn about our hearts and our minds? What does the passage teach us about us? The third, que- the third question that we would look at is, I know this about God. I know this about myself. Uh, what, do we, uh, how do we, uh, what needs to change in my life? How do we apply these truths into my life? And the fourth one, very simply, is that is there anyone around me who needs to hear these truths, who, uh, whom I can share these truths with? That's the fourth question. And as we ask these questions through the passage, I hope that you find this helpful, not just for today again, but also for the Telos group that Daniel was speaking to us about. I mean, this will be a great tool for three or four of us to come together, to read the word together, to mature in God together, and also to get to know one, another, one another's heart and one another's life and, and grow in relationship with one another. So I would encourage you to use this for your Telos group and cons- consider this and use this for your Telos group. And hey, listen, if you are not a Christian, if you are uh, joining us for the first time, if you consider yourself as a skeptic or you're just exploring this Christianity, this who Jesus is question. Uh, Let me firstly say you're very welcome. It's great to have you with us. And secondly, don't just shut me up right now. Don't check out straight away thinking that this is just going to be a Bible study. This is not relevant to me anyway. I would say this might be the, this might just be the best place for you to start the Bible. See what Jesus says about himself. See what he, he claims uh, to be. So do listen in. Let me just pray before we begin. And uh, then we will dive straight in. Father, we come to you, Lord, this morning once again. And we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together once again. And we thank you for your word. These are your very words, Lord, Lord Jesus. And we do not take them lightly. Your word is powerful. It's simple enough for a foolish to understand, but at the same time profound and multifaceted enough to, for, a, for a wise to stumble. So I pray, Lord Jesus, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would, you would open our hearts and our minds. You would, uh, you would open us, Lord, and help us to see who you are from the passage. You would help us to see who we are. You would help us to understand our hearts, Lord Jesus. And we pray, Lord God, that we would be able to apply this to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Uh, amen. Amen. Okay, Mark 4, parable of the sower. So what is happening over here is a, a crowd has gathered around, around Jesus and Jesus is sharing this story of a sower with, with, with the crowds around him. A very simple story, Jesus says there is a sower who scatters uh, seeds and these seeds fall, fall on four different types of grounds. The first ground is, is hard, is, is hard and so 
the seed is not able to sprout. The seed is as soon as the seed falls on it, and the birds of the air come and snatch it away. That's the first type of ground. The second ground is is rocky ground. The seed falls on it. It it appears to take some sort of root because the, there is very little soil. It appears to take some sort of root, but as soon as the sun comes up, it just scorches it and and withers it away. The fourth soil and the fourth ground is uh, is thorny. Uh, again, the seed uh, appears to take root, but is not able to compete with the number of thorns that are around it, and is basically gets choked and uh, and dies. And the fourth one is the good soil, the soil where the seed is able to germinate, is able to uh, take roots, take go down in roots, and then eventually bears fruits, thirtyfold, uh, sixtyfold, hundredfold. Jesus says. And then when Jesus is finished. His story, you can just imagine with me that Jesus is probably uh, sipping on a, on a sip of water and uh, he's thinking, he's just thinking of the whole scene, what was there. He was in the boat, there was crowd in front of him, people were listening and one of the disciples, pro probably uh, Peter, the one who has the habit of piping up first, he comes to Jesus and he says, wow, Jesus, that was, that was really good, that was really good. Thank you, thank you, that was fantastic. And Jesus looks at him and says, hmm, okay. And, and, then, and then Peter says, do you mind telling us what it was about? Because really, we have absolutely no idea what you were talking about. So Jesus looks at him and says, yeah, call the disciples and then I'll explain. So he, he calls the disciples and then he says, uh, there were many around us. There were many who, who, were, who were there. There were some who were listening. There were some who were listening, but really not listening. Uh, so, so listen to the to the meaning of the passage. This is this is what it means. This is what the parable means. He says the seeds that were being sown were the seed. The seeds were the words of God, and they fell on different different hearts. The soil were the hearts, and they fell on different types of hearts. The hearts that were completely closed. The hearts that were uh, so worried about the cares of this world. They were so worried about the trials and the tribulations that the that the words of God did land on their hearts, but they did not take roots. But eventually that there were others who were who were listening, who were receiving it in faith. And there the food the, the fruit uh, will be seen 30 fold, 60 fold, 100 fold. So let's do our DBS dissection on this. Let's ask those four questions and get truths for ourselves from this parable. The first question, what do we learn about God? What do we learn about God from this? The first thing that we learn about God is that he is the sower. He is the sower. He is the one who gives these words to us. Jesus says these seeds are the words coming from God. So, so he is the sower. The words that come from God, they are the seeds and he gives the word to us. So primarily, he becomes the sower. But at the same time, I would say that we are the sower as well. Because now we have the word. We have the word of God with us. So we become the sower. I mean, this morning I have the privilege of being the sower uh, with you guys, we, you have the you have you become the sower when you share the word over lunch with your work colleague. Uh, mom and dads uh, are the sower when they stand at the school gate and chat with uh, other moms and dads. And mom becomes the sower when she tells the bedtime stories to children. So we are the sowers as well. But at the very foundational and the primary level, we can see that Jesus is the sower. Jesus is the sower. He is the one who is sharing this parable with the people around him. He is the one who is sharing the word of God around, uh, around, the, uh, around him with the people. And so he becomes the sower. 
And I'm re reminded of the words of John, the way he opens up his account. He says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So Jesus was the word. He was with God and he is the word. He was God as well. He, he came with the message of God, but at the same time, he himself was the message. So Jesus is the sower, but at the same time, he is the seed as well. More on that in a bit. But at this stage, just remember that Jesus is the sower. And he's not just any, any type of sower, but he is a really generous sower. He scatters the seed all around. He throws it in such a way that it falls on, on a variety of soil. It falls on rocky soil, hard soil. It falls on um, uh, thorny, thorny ground. It falls on really good soil. He doesn't discriminate between uh, between the soils. He just throws it far and wide indiscriminately. Um, he doesn't say that I'm going to scatter the seeds in such a way that they're going to fall only on one typical, uh, one type of soil. That's it. Nowhere else. He doesn't say that. I mean, you can almost argue that Jesus, you're not being very um, strategic here. Because if you throw the seeds in a horizontal projectile motion at a speed of 9.8 meter per second from a so-and-so distance, it would really land on just the fertile soil and you would have made the best use of your seed. I mean, if I would be there, I would have thought something like that. But he doesn't think like that. The sower in Jesus' parable doesn't think like that. He is a generous sower. He just keeps spreading the seed far and wide. He throws it all around. So Jesus is the sower, but not just any sower. He is a generous sower. Secondly, there is something very interesting that Jesus says about the secrets of the kingdom of God revealed differently to different people. Look at verse 11. He says, he, he says this to the disciples. To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, everything is in parables. Now what is Jesus trying to say here? Is he saying that I purposely talk in parables so that people who are outside will not be able to understand things? Is, is that what he's saying? I think, I think yes, that is exactly what he's saying. That he's purposely talking in parables. And you can, you can ask this question, Jesus, that's not fair. That's, you've been quite unfair because why do you want people not to understand this who really need it the most? Why would you do that? Why would you speak in such a way? And then he continues, he, verse 12, he, he quotes Isaiah 6. Uh, Isaiah 6, we, we, we'll read into that, but Isaiah 6, this is what he says. So that... They may indeed see, but not perceive. They may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Now, Isaiah 6 is that great passage where Isaiah is caught up in the vision with God. God forgives his sins and he is, uh, he is sent out to preach the hard-hearted people of Israel. And Isaiah's prophetic mission is to tell the generation that they are not going to listen to God. They won't listen to God because they haven't been listening to God already. The, the, the window of this kingdom of God over them is slowly closing and it's going to get harder and harder for them to listen and understand. But God will still speak. God will still still continue speaking. Isaiah still keeps prophesying about Jesus. He still says, Isaiah 9, he still says, For unto us a child is given, unto us a son is given. Uh, the government will be upon his shoulder, shoulders. He will be the mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Wonderful Counselor. He still continues speaking about Jesus, but they won't understand it because they don't want to. They don't want to. And Jesus here is in a, in a sort of a similar situation where he's speaking to the crowds. There are many who don't want to who don't want to. Some won't perceive it even when they see it. Some won't understand it even when they hear. 
Why? Because they don't want to understand it. They don't want to hear it. They don't, they want to question Jesus upon every single thing he says. And that is why Jesus says, okay, I'm going to talk in parables so that people who really want to understand, people who really want to draw close to me, they will draw close to me through that. And so he will continue speaking. He will continue drawing close to those who draw close to him. And that was very clear for myself, for my own life. I can say that there was a time until when all of these all of these secrets of the kingdom of God, all of these beauties of the kingdom of God were completely shut for me. I was completely against it. Uh, I mean, if you're from Trinity, you know my story. I, I was a Muslim. I come from a Muslim background. And Nam and myself, when um, when we were dating, we, we were in a courtship for 14 years before we eventually uh, got married. And in those 14 years, we made lots of pacts with each other that we won't force each other's religion on, on each other. I won't force my Islamic background on you. You won't force my Christian. You won't force your uh, Christian background on me and things like that. And so we made this very clear with, the, uh, with us, with each other. Um, but God's humor, just a couple of months before we were to get married, um, Nam got saved. She met with Jesus in a powerful way. She saw the beauty of Jesus and she understood the powerful forgiveness uh, that she received through Jesus from God. And so she didn't want to keep that for herself. She wanted to share this with me. She wanted that, that beauty of Jesus to be shared with me. And, and so just a couple of months before over a phone call, um, because, we, uh, because it was a long-distance relationship with her. Anyway, just over a phone call, uh, she said to me that, Abdullah, would you please read the Gospel of John? And when I heard that statement, I was furious. I was, I was ready to end that 14 years of courtship just because of that statement. Abdullah, would you please read the Gospel of John? Why? Because I was completely shut, completely closed towards that. Because I didn't want to hear anything to do with Jesus of the Bible. I didn't want it. I didn't want it because I was completely closed. And the secrets of God were completely hidden uh, from me. I couldn't see the preciousness of Jesus. I couldn't see the power of the forgiveness uh, in Jesus. So I was completely shut. But later a time did come when God opened my eyes and I could see the beauty of Jesus and receive Jesus into my life. And today, um, here we are. Um, so if you are feeling anything of that sort in your heart right now, uh, may I say this, that uh, be open. Um, let let this beauty of Jesus come and and unravel your heart. Let this beauty of Jesus come into, our, into your heart right now. And there is an opportunity today right now for you to open your heart and just receive him. Just receive him in love. Okay, so those are the few big ideas of who, who God is. He is the sower. He's a generous sower. And he wants uh, the secrets of his kingdom to be revealed to those who are willing. The question here is, are you willing? Um, we dig more, we find more, but time is short, so, so let's move on. Um, what do we learn about ourselves? What do we learn about us as people? That's the second question. What do we learn about our hearts? And to learn that about us and our hearts, um, we need to just look at the different types of soils, or I should say different types of hearts that Jesus reveals in front of us in the parable. The first heart that he says, look at verse, verse 15. He says the first heart is hard. Uh, and these are and these are the ones along the path where this word was sown. Uh, when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Now there is this category in the crowd where, uh, which is completely spiritually closed. It's not open at all. 
uh, they don't want to hear they don't they are not interested in spiritual conversations they are not interested in spiritual realities it's probably the scariest uh, heart of all it's completely closed to jesus it's uninterested in hearing about him and therefore is unable to hear him cs lewis uh, picks up uh, picks this up in his fictional book uh, screw tape letters uh, where it's a series of letters uh, of counsel from uh, one senior demon uh, screw screw tape to another junior demon wormwood and wormwood has been assigned a man and he's uh, his job is to keep him away from coming to christ uh, in faith so and this is what screw tape writes he says it is funny how mortals always picture us picture us as putting things into their minds in reality our best work is done by keeping things by keeping things out and so uh, uh, in context scrutev is actually talking about prayer he says do all you can dear wormwood to keep our man from praying take out the desire i mean that's exactly what jesus is talking about isn't it that that the, the seed fell but the satan he came and he took those seeds away snatched those seeds away instantaneously and satan has a million methods of doing that satan has a million methods of distracting us from uh, from leaning into god he's really good at distracting us from god i mean think about it doesn't the bed seems better than the bible isn't a conversation on social media much better than prayer doesn't that seem better than prayer I mean, isn't watching Netflix seems better than sitting with the word and meditating over it? Doesn't that seem better? Doesn't justification, self-justification uh, feel better than uh, repentance, coming to God, asking for forgiveness? Aren't you even tempted right now to even check your phone and, and check out for a bit and say, okay, let me just do this list. Let me just get this done. Are you, are you not tempted right now? Where do you think all of this comes from? all of this comes from satan because because he takes every opportunity to take that word that is being sown into our hearts to take it away uh, instantly and if you are in this place right now if you are uh, sensing this sort of hardness right now if you're listening please do consider this that probably the reason that you are listening in today and jesus is just grinding that stone away what he's saying is he's saying is let me take this heart of stone and give you the heart of flesh. Let me do that. And so that's the first heart, the hard heart. The second heart is the rocky heart. Look at verse 16 and 17. Jesus says, and these are the ones sown on rocky ground. This is what it means. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with great joy. And, when, and, and they have no root in themselves, but they endure it for a while. Then, when tribulations or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And we see this kind of heart in, in Jesus' crowds. And if I apply that for today's uh, world, I mean, these would be uh, the Twitter followers. Uh, those, those Twitter followers. What is, what is hot? What is trendy? What is happening right now? If Jesus is trendy and happening, if Jesus is trending, come on, let's jump on his bandwagon let's let's follow him they love the miracles these people they loved the miracles that jesus performed they loved seeing jesus giving sight to the blind raising people from the dead they love seeing jesus but as soon as jesus started talking about the exclusive claims as soon as jesus said i am the bread of life 
I am the way, the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. They fall back. They say, no, no, no. This is not what we signed for. This is not what we signed for. I mean, they don't stick with him because their heart was just, didn't get, didn't, their heart just didn't get stuck in for the right reasons. I mean, it says here that they received initially with great joy. But then when testing came, when times of tribulations uh, came, they fall away. The test that we have gone through as, as, as people, the test that we have gone through almost the past year, almost the whole year, um, has been incredible, isn't it? I mean, it, has, it would have revealed so many things about ourselves. And one of those things would be, what are the foundations on which our faith stands? What are the sort of foundations? Are we standing on emotional foundations? Are our foundations emotional? I mean, just in our, in our feelings, I feel good with Jesus, that's why I'm with Jesus. Or is it based on that one prayer that you made uh, it, because of emotion, seeing that your friends are praying, probably at the youth camp at New Day in Norfolk, you made that prayer, said, yes, Jesus, I, fall, I, I want you. Is that the reason why, uh, is that the foundation of your faith in Jesus? Or is it the really rock solid foundation that, that Jesus talks about? Is it, is it he and the words that come out of him in this, in this Bible? I mean, these are the times when we start questioning these things and say, God, I want you to be my foundation. Jesus, I want your words to be the foundation on which I stand. And, and so the ones with shallow and hard rock, Jesus said, are, are, are merely interested in the hot thing. When following him gets uncomfortable, uh, discouraging, risky, they just sort of say, OK, this is not what I signed for. They want the sort of Jesus who is like um, a sugar daddy, <laughs> uh, where he says, okay, daddy, can you fix my broken toy? Here it is. Can you do this for me? Can you fix this problem for me? Can you sit next to me while I drive the car? I want, I want the steering wheel in my hand. And when Jesus says, come on, give me the steering wheel of your life. I want to drive your life. He said, no, no, no. That's not what, you, what I want. You sit next to me. You keep talking to me positively. You keep giving me encouragements. You keep talking into my ears positively. That's your job. You keep going. But steering is going to be in my hand. I'm going to drive my own life. You don't tread upon my toes. You keep all those claims and all of this for yourself. Otherwise, I'm going to make you go and sit at the back. If this is how we treat Jesus, then we are really in the wrong place. And while I, while I say all of this, uh, I must also mention that there are people in our community, in our, in our uh, Trinity Church London, who are completely on the other side of this heart, completely on the opposite side of this heart, who have had to give away everything as a result of their desire to follow Jesus. I mean, those words from Jesus become real for, for their lives. When Jesus says, you will be hated in the world because you follow me. A father will be against his son. A mother, a, a mother-in-law will be will go against her daughter-in-law. Your own household will become your enemies, and we have people like that in our in our group, in our community. Can you imagine a son hearing this from his father? That you don't belong here. You are dead for me now. You don't belong here anymore. Take your Jesus with you. Pack him up and just leave. Those are the kind of words that some of us have heard from our earthly fathers. 
And this heart isn't a shallow heart. This is a deep heart. This is the fertile soil that Jesus talks about lastly. But before that, let's look at one more heart. The third type of heart that, uh, that Jesus talks about is the crowded heart. It's the crowded heart. Look at verse uh, 18 and 19. Jesus says, and others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and they choke the word and it proves unfruitful. I mean, I would say this is the kind of heart which is too crowded, too crowded. There are so many things at the same level of importance as as the works and words of Jesus. There is um, there is my own my own personal desires. There is my own personal riches. There is my social status is uh, status at, at the same at the same level as the the words and work of Jesus. And when all of these these things come at the same level of importance as the work and word of Jesus, what happens is these things start basically choking the work of Christ in our lives. They eventually choke it completely. And and choking, I would say, is is slightly different than completely. Uh, then instant instant knockout. It, it's it's different because that's what we we see in the movies, you know. Uh, instant knockout like the tribulation in, in what we saw in the in the rocky heart. I didn't sign up for this. I'm out, Jesus. That's it, gone. It's finished. But choking is a process. Choking is a process. What happens in this is when we are given to the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of the riches, we can be ren- rendered. Uh, spiritually unconscious slowly and steadily over a period of time sometimes without even us knowing it we can just be rendered spiritually unconscious and that is a dangerous place to be eventually what happens is all these cares of this of this world they uh, they choke the, the work and word of Jesus in our lives I mean this this deceitfulness of uh, riches, the riches that only show outwardly that you are in control. As soon as you've got some money, as soon as you've got some cash, you only feel outwardly. This is a trap. This is a downward spiral trap where you feel that, oh yes, I've got money, I'm in control. But actually, we are not. We are not. So what do we need here? What do we need here? We need Jesus here. And by Jesus, I mean the tough guy Jesus, the one who makes cords out of the ropes and who drives the, the robbers and the thieves away from the, from the temple. That kind of Jesus, that is what we need here. He, we need him to come into our hearts and drive all these, all these unhelpful things completely away. Drive our insecurities away. Drive our anxieties, uncertainties away completely and take over our hearts. We need Jesus almost to sort of pick us up midwinter, pick us up and throw us in a bath of really cold water and wake us up from this unconsciousness of really unhelpful deep sleep we need him to do that in our lives we need him as the sole ruler of our hearts we need him as the sole ruler of our hearts and if we accept him if we let him do that this is the this is the result the fourth and the soft the fourth soil the soft and open heart that's the kind of heart that we receive when we do that uh, look at verse 20 but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word Accept it and bear fruit. 34, 64, 100 fold. This is the heart of Jesus' disciples, I would say. They accept the word. They follow him when Jesus calls. Even They stick with him. Even when they don't understand, they, they do stick with him. They draw near to him. They want Jesus to be, to be with him. They want Jesus. 
They want the kingdom, not just for the secrets of the kingdom, but they do get the secrets of the kingdom of God, but they get the kingdom as well. They get to live in the experience. So those are the kind of uh, hearts, those are the kind of soils that Jesus talks about. The, the, the hard soil, the thorny, the rocky, and the soft and, and, and open heart. Now I know this about God, that he is the sower. I know this about very specific things about my own heart, about our hearts. What needs to change in me? How do we respond? How do we apply this into our lives? That's the third question. What needs to change in me? What are the areas that God has been highlighting uh, that needs changing and transformation? I mean, while I was talking, you might be thinking of things. Holy Spirit might be just pointing things out, putting his finger on things. And you might be thinking, yeah, yeah, I know which areas of my life are hard and rocky i know which areas of my life are filled with thorns and i need to get rid of them i mean i'm asking these questions to myself what is my heart my heart like what is my soil like is it hard or is it open what areas are open what areas are hard and rocky and thorny may i pose this question all of to all of us here what sort of heart is yours Hard and dry, shallow and rocky, crowded with too many things at the same level of importance as God himself? Or is it open and, uh, and soft for God to work in your heart? Do we have a heart of faith or do we have a heart of unfaith? Here is how we can, we can know the answer to these questions. Jesus says, those who were sown on the good soil bore fruit, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Which means not everyone in Christ will yield 100-fold, but it means that everyone in Christ will yield some fruit. Everyone in Christ will yield some fruit. And that's how you will know that the seed has taken root in your life. That's how you will know that, okay, there is good soil in my heart, but if there is fruit... If you're not a Christian here, you might be asking, well, how do I get this fertile soil? How do I get this, this soft soil uh, right now? What do, what do I do? Do I have to be a good person? Uh, I would say you can answer this question, but, but I would say that good person to what standard? What would be the standard of being good? And do we, do we need to get rid of uh, the rocks? I mean, yes, we can do that. But to how far deep do we need to go? Because... There'll be rocks after rocks after rocks after rocks. How far is far deep enough? Do we need to get rid of the weeds? Yes, we can do that. But how would you know that you have really got the root out? The root issue is completely out. I mean, self-help is, is good and it will take you to a certain point, but not where we really want to go. Not where we really need to be. We can never be good enough. We can never remove all the rocks. We can never remove all the weeds from its root. We need another way. We need someone out of ourselves to come and help us. And that's Jesus. That's Jesus. There is a moment in the Gospel of John where he writes, where Jesus makes a turn towards Jerusalem. He fixes his eyes on Jerusalem and then eventually on the cross. That's what he says. And when he talks about his upcoming death, and this is what he says to his disciples, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. John 12, 24. 
What is Jesus saying here? He's saying that he's saying the power of the gospel is in his death. The power of the gospel is in the seed going into the sun, going into the ground and being buried. The power of the gospel is in his death. I mean, you can see the seed. The seed is is weak enough to be crushed, to be crushed by you. And that's what Satan thought when Jesus was dying on the cross, when Jesus was giving his life on the cross. That's what Satan thought. He thought that, yeah, there's a crushed seed. But actually, there was not a crushed seed. Jesus was a planted seed. He was planted so that we could receive the fruits of him, of his forgiveness, of his goodness, of his mercy over our lives. So he fell into the earth, he died, and three days later, he rose back to life. He rose back to life. He came as a seed to be planted for us. And when that happens, when, when you really understand that to the depth and the core, something deep inside happens. The heart of the, the hard heart is sort of broken down into pieces. That's what happens. The, the sower starts working. The power of the seed starts working. The power of the sower starts working. The power of the word of God starts working in our hearts. And that makes the soil fertile. That makes the soil good and fertile for the seed to take roots and bear fruits. That is what happens when Jesus enters into our lives. So if you're not a Christian, if you are looking to follow Jesus, this is what you can do. This is, this is exactly what you can do. Just invite Jesus into your life, even right now. Even right now. And we would love to chat with you, pray with you. Uh, we would love to connect with you uh, and, and, and be with you and, and be those brothers and sisters around you to say, come on, we are, we are with you in this. Let me just finish. Let me just conclude with this last question. Is there anyone around you, is there anyone around me who needs to hear this truth, who, who wants to hear this truth? Now, God has given this, his, this word, this word to us, and he has made us uh, sowers in such a way as Trinity Church London. He has made us sowers in such a way that he has scattered us around in different parts of the city. Some are in the north, some are in the south, some are in the east, some are in the west. And so he has scattered us around in a, in a beautiful way. And now we have this word. We have the opportunity of taking this word and sowing it far and wide. We have this word of hope. We have this word of courage. We have this word of certainty that God is with us. He loves us. He cares for us. And you have this power to, to sow this word far and wide outside of the school gates, at your work office, with your work colleagues, with your neighbors, over the fence. You have the opportunity to sow these words far and wide. And you will come across many different types of soils. I mean, we, we, will, we, we will come across. Jesus came across. Of course, we will come across different types of soil. But don't be discouraged. Keep speaking. Keep believing. Keep asking God. Keep praying. And God will do his work. God will do his work. So let's keep going. Let's keep believing. And let's, asking God, let's keep asking God for things that only he can do. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, God bless you.